Are you ever curious what's going on behind the scenes in Hollywood? You watch a Netflix show or a Marvel movie and you wonder, why was that person in it? Why did this movie get made? I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, on the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, we're going to bring you short, digestible episodes featuring some of the smartest people I know breaking down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Follow The Town now and listen on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. I am Chris Ryan. I'm joined, as always, by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? I'm great. How are you doing? It's Friday. Uh, we have one more round of play-in games before we get into the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm very excited about that. The Timberwolves-Clippers game was just like... I felt like that was the Uma Thurman adrenaline shots of the heart in Pulp Fiction that I needed to get me excited about basketball coming into the playoffs. Like every possession mattered. Dudes were crying. Dudes were freaking out about foul calls. People were jumping on the scores table. It was just like, let's go. Let's get into the playoffs. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So Sarah, today to preview the playoffs, you know, there's lots of different ways we could have done this, but there's a podcast I really like called Axe to Grind, which is about hardcore punk rock. And a while back they did something called Hardcore Jeopardy, where they were doing basically a game of Jeopardy about hardcore. And I thought we could do that with the NBA. I thought we could do playoff Jeopardy, where we basically do answers in the form of a question as a way of predicting what's going to happen in the next couple of rounds. Are you a Jeopardy fan? Not really. I mean, you know, I would watch it if it was on back in the times of watching things on TV when they were on. I was just never very good at it. And I just don't I have too much of an ego. I'm too insecure to get into things that I'm not good at. Do you like trivia in general? Yeah, I like trivia. Okay. I'm a taboo fan. I, I always liked Wheel of Fortune. I like connecting things. But if you just ask me a question straight out, like there's too much air in this brain. Like I can't, <laughs> it, just, it doesn't work out that well. <laughs> um, as we were going to record right now, we j- it was just announced that um, Paul George is going to be missing 
tonight's play-in game between the Clippers and the Pelicans due to being entered into health and safety testing positive for COVID, which I honestly have to admit that I did not know the NBA was still doing this. Like I know that they have there's vaccination policies. Obviously, Matisse Thibel's not going to be participating in the Toronto games of the Toronto Philly series. But I, I guess I was under the impression that they were kind of like not really that stringently testing anymore, but apparently they are. This definitely caught me by surprise. I had no idea that we were really doing this yeah. anymore at all. And it, this sucks, honestly, also for the Clippers. Like, it does. Man. The timing is uncanny. Having this happen now as opposed to like, even if it happened, if it happened a day from now, it'd be better. Or if it happened like a couple days ago, they lost that game against Minnesota anyway. So if the Clippers beat the Pelicans, this will only serve to like, continue to build the myth of Ty Lue, which I think is honestly getting a little out of control right now. You think so? I think it's awesome. Like, I think he's an amazing coach, but I think because everybody needs to like top each other when they're talking mm. about him. So it starts out and it's just like, wow, he's just amazing at like finding mismatches and like always mm. throwing different defensive yeah. looks at teams. And then it gets like more and more and more. And then it's just like Ty Lue can solve climate change. If he just had Kawhi and Paul George healthy. Too many tops, not enough bottoms. I feel you. We're kind of in like the Brad Stevens territory right now. Like, yeah, would you yes. rather have Brad President Stevens or, or LeBron James on your team? Right. Okay, so should we start playing Jeopardy? Let's do it. This is our way of previewing the playoffs. We're going to uh, do answers in the form of a question, and then Sierra and I will, will say who is or what is. And uh, this is just the way we thought we might be might be fun, a way to look at the, the matchups in the first round here. So we have some... That are like more total, like more widescreen, where they're looking at like the entire postseason almost in in retrospect, even though it hasn't even started yet. But for the first answer in the form of question, we have this player immediately made voters regret their MVP selection. So obviously the last couple of weeks have been dominated by awards talk. We haven't really indulged too much in it, um, but the MVP race has been very tight. There's been a lot of different takes about who should get it, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, some outside shouts for Devin Booker or whatever. This player in the NBA playoffs, because you know you vote at the end of the regular season, the playoffs don't really come into it. Who do you think is going to make people regret their vote? This is just going to be about me. I'm going to regret my my votes. I went Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, Booker, and Luka, and I feel like there's just going to be a mo- moment in in late May when Booker's just carrying the Suns. And, you know, they, they make the finals again. And, you know, maybe Giannis is still there. But, you know, I, I feel like Jokic is going to be nowhere to be found then. I'm sorry, but I feel like Embiid is just not going to be relevant at that moment either. I'm just going to be sitting there being like, wow, this guy is just kind of doing like his like Kobe slash Jordan impression. And I, and I gave him a fourth place MVP vote. Yeah, it's going to be tough if Embiid and Jokic go home in the first round. Yeah. I can't remember the last time. I mean, you know, they had the Westbrook year where they barely made the playoffs, but he was rewarded, obviously, for like that the triple-double season. It's been a long time since like the top two, if not three, MVP candidates were, did not make it out of the first round of the playoffs. See, I can tell that we're getting, it, getting better at podcasting together because you kind of paused after the Westbrook moment just to see if I would say anything, but I'm not going there this time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's been enough Westbrook slander. I think that we all like collectively like we should give all of ourselves a break and also Russell Westbrook a break and also Lakers fan a break and we could just stop talking about it. It was a bad season. Yeah. It was a bad match. We we don't have to keep belaboring yeah. it. Yeah. So you have Booker. Mm-hmm. Now, in your hypothetical Booker MVP push or, you know, Booker makes everybody second guess how they voted. 
Are you seeing Booker taking over for an injured Chris Paul at any time during this playoffs? I mean, probably. You got to price in a few injuries when you've got Chris Paul on the team, right? And they did it last season. They did it in the regular season. Yeah, I think that's a big reason that he's even in the conversation was I'm going 12 and 3 without him and, you know, just just how well Booker played. I think he like his scoring average has been pretty pretty consistent throughout this season. He only went up like 2 points when Paul was hurt, but I think that's almost a point, right? Like he's been the guy holding down the fort for Phoenix while they've had a ton of injuries this season, even even then they're still the number one seed by quite a margin too, right? Like they're like no one even yeah. came within a sto- stone's throw of them. The reason I just didn't go with him was just I mean, you know, you look at those three guys statistically, you look at what Jokic has done this season. It's weird. The MVP is a weird a weird uh, award now, I think. It's like it's become about dependency. And it's almost designed at this point to make us look like fools because, like, the players who win MVPs don't win championships for the most part. Right. In the last, uh, you know, 20, 22 years or so, I think, like, five players have won the M- MVP and then also won the championship. Like, it's almost designed in a way that, you know, if you rely so much on somebody in the regular season, then it's natural that that, t- that team is going to see, like, an early playoff exit. That's probably going to be the Jokic story, and it might be the Embiid story. Yeah, I mean, for Jokic, he's in a situation where, you know, the team that he carried the whole year with Porter and Murray absent, like, is probably their absences created the mythology around his MVP season. I think he yeah, obviously would have been a contender anyway had they been healthy. But the fact that he was able to get the Nuggets to the sixth seed essentially on his own with Bones Highland and a couple of other guys is MVP-esque. You know, I mean, that's that's definitely something that I don't think many other guys could have done. On the other hand, like because he won't have Porter and Murray, I don't think that they're going to go very far in the playoffs and it'll probably be a regular season achievement for for Jokic. It is interesting with the Jokic debate. We don't have to get into it because we have a whole other like slate of things to talk about today. I feel like the conversation around MVP is veering pretty dangerously close to like there being a certain mathematical equation that you can solve for being MVP and that like some of the advanced statistics which Jokic almost uniformly is at the top of are now becoming like bigger governing factors and what people vote for. That just seems like that to me anecdotally when I hear people talk where they're like, look, wind shares, warp, all these Mm -hmm. advanced statistics, like Jokic is just at the top, you have to give it to him. Whereas it kind of like robs the award of, I don't know, like in the eye of the beholder part of it. I guess that that is also how you get like ridiculously bad MVP votes sometimes though. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's almost like, it's like the reverse version of of the defensive player of the year award where it's like, you know, there's that year like you have to give it to Rudy Gobert because he's destroying all these advanced metrics. Meanwhile, he's still dropping on every possible screen against the Warriors in 2022. Yeah. You know, we just don't, we don't think about that part because the other, the other games balance, balance those things out. You got to have a balance between the stats and and the eye test. And as I say those words, I feel like we should move on because we really don't need to have that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we had done this pod five days ago, I would have said Luca. Mm. If we had done this pod pre-calf injury, I would have said Doncic because I think that Dallas has a shot against Phoenix in the second round. I think that Dallas was probably one of the two or three most impressive teams down the last couple of stretch of games there. I thought any given game, they could throw any a, a bunch of different looks at you. And Doncic was obviously like playing into peak performance, you know, and was essentially dominating the game and making everything kind of tilt towards his end. And yeah, I mean, like the calf injury is bad. 
you know, I think that that's one of those things where I'm not a doctor at all, but like, it's one of those injuries that I bet like he'll probably rush back on and not be at his best. And just hopefully he doesn't aggravate it. So without Doncic, I'm going to go with Steph. So I'm going to pick two guys kind of passing in the middle of the night in terms of injury. Steph's supposed to be coming back. I don't know if it's guaranteed that he's playing in this first game, the first Warriors game. Yeah, I think they're still being cute about it, but it feels like he'll play. I don't know. I just, I want to, I want to believe. And I just feel like when the Warriors had Steph, Dre, Clay, and Poole briefly firing on all cylinders, but even without Clay. Steph's just was just magical this year. Like the Warriors work when he's on the floor mm-hmm. and don't so much when he's not. And it's interesting with a system team like that where you would probably hope that you could to some extent plug and play players into this this motion system. It still all, it all comes down to Steph and the kind of attention that Steph draws on the floor and his ability to get around to different spots and his ability to like create mismatches for other players because there's so much attention being drawn towards him. So if Steph's healthy, I think that this the Warriors could make a deep run. It's possible, and I think people might be like, oh, maybe this was the Steph year, even though he did miss a significant amount of time. Let's move on to our second answer in the form of a question. And we're talking about injuries, so this kind of works. This player shocked the NBA with his brilliant return to action after a long-term injury. I kind of want to change mine on the spot. Okay. I had Jamal Murray, so as of right now, we've got... Michael Malone saying that it's doubtful that he'll play in this series. And you've also got, you know, uh, the team president, Tim Connolly, being like, yeah, he's at the red zone. Like, we don't really know. There's not really much clarity on that situation. It feels like that's kind of where we've been with them. Like, Porter, I think, is going to be out. He had a setback in in his rehab. So that is kind of out of the question, it seems like, for the Nuggets. But, yeah, I had Jamal Murray, but I'm just, I'm so tempted to pick Zion Williamson here. Do it. Yeah. Do it. It would just be so, so funny. And it would be awesome. So Zion's doing 360 dunks in layup lines right now. Exactly. And it feels like it feels like every one of those is just like his attempt to make the internet go crazy so that the Pelicans let him play. I want to wish this into existence a little bit. Obviously, like nobody should play unless unless they actually can and should. And But at the same time, it's like, man, like this team has been really good since the CJ trade. The vibes are kind of coming together. They're coming together. And I feel like... Zion back would just really put a bow on it like if they could if they could just give this the Suns a run for their money and then enter the next season just feeling like happy and like okay everybody's healthy that'd be cool and I want to watch Zion play above all else if the Pelicans could sort of become the Suns from a couple of years ago like the bubble mm-hmm. Suns where the Pelicans get like a little bit of a boost of confidence by getting him from the plan into the playoffs and then maybe even just taking a game off the, off the Suns. Yeah. And just making it a little complicated so that they could go into next season with B.I., Zion, and C.J. and be like, we actually have something here. Yeah, that's a great trio to build around. Willie Green's a good coach. We have a bunch of picks that we could trade or we could do stuff with. Mm-hmm. We've got Herb. We've got Alvarado. Like It's all finally looking yeah. a little bit brighter in New Orleans. Herb Jones, I've, let's go. Willie Green also was an assistant with the bubble suns for monty williams yeah there you go see my pick is who is ben simmons and your guess is as good as mine as to whether this guy's gonna play because there are tweets that are like ben simmons can't move there are tweets that are like ben simmons plays 18 hours of call of duty a day there are steve nash quotes where they're like ben simmons isn't really sprinting yet 
And then there are quotes that, where it's like anonymous sources being like, Ben Simmons looks awesome in practice and is targeting the middle of the first round to return. So if he came back, he would be stepping into Boston, basically. Like he would be in the tail end of what would have to have been a competitive Boston-Brooklyn series. So let's just say like he is the guy we saw against Atlanta, who was bad, right? I still think that that dude would be a huge upgrade for the Nets. And yeah. I don't know, really understand how if he's got a herniated disc and he's got an epidural, like really what we're going to see out there. Like, I'm not a back expert, but that just seems like him not playing competitive basketball for this entire time and then coming right back against Boston is some, yeah. some cause for concern. But of all the people who are these X factor guys who could come back and make an interesting return to action, I still think Ben is kind of the X factor. Yeah, I think he can plug and play in that situation. Coming back against the number one defense in the TD Garden is going to be very interesting. Like, how do you think? I mean, you know, their Revolutionary War rival city would react. Like, would Boston fans almost be like rooting for Ben Simmons because he just like he did Philadelphia so dirty? Oh, because it would make the Sixers fans feel pain. No, I, I think that they, I think that they're going to try and really like rock Brooklyn. I don't think they want to have like a long series where KD is playing in game sixes and sevens with them. But then like, like who do they boo between Kyrie? Like they're just going to lose their voices between Kyrie and Simmons, you know, like it's like, it's, it's going to be a long series. And I just feel like, you know, they got it. The fans got to pace themselves too. Like they, they can be looking at like Kyrie in the first game there and being like, Hey, like, We've tried booing this guy before. He doesn't care. He doesn't even hear it. Like, maybe we should save it. Hashtag save it for Simmons. In the NBA playoffs, there are no sure things except one. Bet at least $20 in same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, and you'll get an instant bonus, win or lose. That's right. Not only do you get to enjoy the NBA's best duking it out, but FanDuel's giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. Oh, and the more you bet, the bigger the bonus. So here's my same-game parlay for the first round of the NBA playoffs for these Saturday games. I cannot wait to watch Minnesota versus Memphis. And I put together a same-game parlay that hits the over at 236. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over on Anthony Edwards's points scored. That's 22 and a half. And I'm taking the over on Deadsman Bain's points scored at 19 and a half. You can do anything like that. It's so creative. It's so fun. FanDuel is an official part of the NBA. Their app is safe, easy to use, and you'll get your winnings fast. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today using the promo code RINGERNBA to make every moment more. So just watch the NBA playoffs. Be a part of it. Bet at least $20 in same game parlays and get an instant bonus win or lose 21 and older and present in select states only bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in seven days max bonus 100 restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash rg in colorado iowa michigan new jersey pennsylvania illinois and virginia 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 1-888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redline is 1-800-889-9789. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Okay, so the next answer in the form of a question we have is this regular season darling crashed in the postseason, sparking a debate about whether regular season success is an accurate predictor for playoff potential. 
Who do you got? I got Boston. Great pick. Yeah, I just feel like they, they remind me a lot of, you know, some of these hard, hard-nosed defensive teams that just, you know, you get a little bit more effort in the playoffs from these teams. Like, well, the Net- I picked them because they're playing the Nets. And it just sets up the perfect debate because it's like, well, the Net- the Nets, you know, they, they scratched and clawed their way into the playoffs. If, if, if you could really call any of their seasons scratching and clawing, I feel like they kind of just like wandered there. They weren't really trying that hard. Right. But now we have, we have them in there and, you know, like the Nets are probably designed to be able to beat them. I went, I, I did a basketball news podcast a few weeks ago and we were talking about the Celtics defense and like, does it have any weaknesses? And if Time Lord's playing, who is also also another guy who could miraculously come back from an injury, and I don't think he would shock the world. I think we know what he can do. But, you know, like, they make everything really hard. They have great isolation defenders. They have a defender for every type of player that you have, and then they have that backup too. And, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion that the only thing that you can really do is be really good at making tough shots. And they've got two guys. Like, this, the Nets have two guys. Like, they're sure. the two best scorers in the NBA that will consistently make tough shots. I think if you get, like, playoff KD against the Celtics defense, like, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think it's the type of thing where, you know, the Celtics could give the Nets a few hits that make them lose down the line. But I see the Nets winning that series. And then you kind of just have a bunch of questions about Boston, where they go from here. So do you see the Nets winning that series Actually, or just within the context of this hypothetical question? No, I think they're going to win the series. Wow. Is that shocking? They have the best player by eons in that series. I think the Nets are going to get their asses kicked. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, really it'll be do. interesting for sure. So one thing that I think is kind of going to be kind of fascinating to watch in this series specifically is the beginnings of games because Boston's hallmark, especially when they had they were rolling with Robert Williams was they would just go up 25 on teams. <laughs> like they were just, and, and I, that is one thing that you don't see a ton of in playoffs. And you, what you're saying is like, oh, like if this game is close and it's about shot making at the end of the game, like, well, who, which two guys would you rather have the ball like than Kyrie and Kevin Durant at the end of a game when it's like close and you're getting back into it? I just don't know if Brooklyn can like hang with these dudes. Like Brooklyn does literally have two players. Like Seth Curry, for as good as he is in the regular season, is going to get kind of exposed in the playoffs like he kind of usually does. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have Ben Simmons, they're out there with like Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic. Like, I just don't think they have enough dudes. I can see that happening for sure. But I also look at it like, okay, you have like two quarters before the fourth to make up for whatever deficit you give up. And sure. That's just, it's really easy for the Nets to, to carve up a lead like that. You know, like it's just, it's a, it's a couple transition threes and then like a couple dunks and, and you're good. And like, that sounds overly simplistic, but that's, that's the point of the nets really. Like it's overly simplistic because they just have two guys that are such scintillating scorers that it doesn't really matter. And they have shooters around them. But doesn't that go against everything that we've been kind of saying about playoff basketball for the last couple of years, where everything is like all these complicated matchups and throwing different looks and like having like adjustments game to game and quarter to quarter or half to half. And is, you know, like, I don't even know if the Nets can do that. What is the Nets like offense? You know, I think they adjust pretty well. They played a ton of different lineups like over the last two years. They've, they've had to. I think they're actually a little bit more versatile than that. Like, you know, they can they can go small pretty well they can go big pretty well i can't believe i'm just like i'm like caping up for boston like what am i doing (laughs) yeah this is actually this answers this answers the question as to whether ben simmons will get booed because you are so on team boston right now (laughs) yeah no i mean i think that's the idea though right like there is a simplicity to the way that they play that does go against 
some of the things that we've seen in the playoffs recently. But it's also because, like, you know, you have a team like the Bucks where they do, like, they don't have those guys. So they have yeah. to find a different way to win. And these guys don't. Just, you know, it's, I'm Kevin Durant. Hi. My response for this answer in the form of a question is, who is Memphis? Yeah. Boston East. Boston East. I don't believe this. Like, I don't think Memphis is going to falter in the playoffs. But I do think that they are allowed to. This is a young team. They haven't had that many playoff campaigns. This is Jaw coming back off of an injury. This is a different kind of basketball. And I'm fairly confident that they'll get through the first round and beat Minnesota. But it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. And it wouldn't shock me if they were handily beaten in the second round by a Golden State team. So, you know, what success is, this is something Verno and KOC were talking about a while back, like a couple months ago, on the mismatch is like, what's... What would be disappointing for Memphis? Is it a second round exit? Do they have to get to the conference finals? Like, what is what is the need for this team? I feel like this is like the breakout season. And if they go home in the second round, it's not the end of the world. And I don't think we're going to have to do like a was Memphis real? Was it Memphis ever real thing? But I do think that they are probably in for a little bit of a coming back down to earth moment in the playoffs. Yeah, I would say it depends what happens, right? Like I could see them getting punched in the mouth by the Timberwolves. And if they aren't able to respond to that, then I think you might look at it and be like, well, that was disappointing. But yeah, I mean, like anybody in the second round at this point is like, it's like, how disappointing can it really be to lose to an actual contender, right? Like that's just, that's how stacked these teams are at this point. I think the thing that works out really well for Memphis too, is that they don't need to answer the questions of, what happens next for this team because they're really young yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly exactly like i would i would be looking for i would be looking for progress on like incremental things like looking at last season's playoffs i think the things that they struggled with was like if you look at jaw and his game management is something that i think he needed to improve in last year's playoffs and if it's the same story of like you know getting a little bit of tunnel vision and not really you know making that next step of okay like let's figure out a way for Jaron Jackson to eat in this series because he can and he should. Those are the kind of things that you look at and say like, okay, well, that was a little bit disappointing. But if they lose with like, you know, a level of effort and improvement and I don't necessarily know the word I'm, I'm looking for. If like, if they can lose in a way that shows that they, they're a little bit more nimble than they were last year, a little bit more playoff built, then I'm kind of, I'm look, I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, let's just, let's see what they are next year. But they, I think they are a playoff built though. Like I, I agree with you in that they are an interesting team for this question but i'm i'm i have belief in them yeah so the the next one we have is um despite regularly steering his team to the playoffs this coach left after 2022 nba postseason and we have the same person so let's talk about doc rivers (laughs) my official prediction or whatever is the sixers are going to lose in five to the raptors really i don't have very good vibes about this team i certainly don't have good vibes about the coach I don't have good vibes about the team's relationship to its coach. The Thibel thing is not good. Uh, I just could see the Sixers splitting home, the home games with Toronto, and then losing both in Toronto, and then kind of giving up. And uh, the stuff coming out of Philly with Doc this past week, a lot of it is around like a very, like, nobody's going to really care about this, but it's about whether or not B-Ball Paul, Paul Reed, is the backup center, or is it DeAndre Jordan? And Doc has been very combative about his um, lack of uh, opportunity provided for B-Ball Paul, who is a little bit more of a modern backup five, like has a a couple more tools, is certainly more mobile than DeAndre is. 
And uh, it's kind of put into focus, like just the disconnect between Doc and the fan base, maybe Doc and the team, maybe Doc and to some extent modern basketball. And I don't know. I just think Doc's and coach the Lakers next year. It just seems like that's where this is all going. It just makes sense. And I, th- I think like the winning time documentary 40 years from now. It's going to be like the opposite. It just needs Doc Rivers more than it needs Nick Nurse. So Nick Nurse was the other person who's been like weirdly rumored of for the Lakers job. I can't remember. Did LeBron say he's like a fan of Nick Nurse or something? Or did some- yeah, I think like well, so, like, Nick Nurse is uh, is clutch. Oh, okay. And uh, apparently, like, you know, sources say that AD and LeBron are fans of his coaching, which is like, hey, yeah, like get in line with the rest of the league there, basically, sure. right? Yeah, I, I I don't really see that one happening. I just don't know why he would want to go there at this point. But Doc is kind of a perfect fit for, for the Lakers. Yeah, and I just think he's not a perfect fit for Philly anymore. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff in Philly is going to wind up being about Harden. It's going to be about whether Harden resigns. It's going to be about how Harden plays in the postseason. It's going to be about if he doesn't play well in the postseason, mm-hmm. what was the reason for that? Is it like specifically a hamstring injury that can be repaired? Is there a sense that like he's interested in participating in the upper echelon of NBA basketball anymore. Like obviously like he's a guy who marches to the sound of his own music. So he talked his way out of Houston. He talked his way out of Brooklyn and now he's in Philly and he's got this huge deal and Philly also for their own purposes, Daryl held on to Ben Simmons and got the player he wanted. And now I honestly got to say like, based on what you see from James Harden and imagining him in three seasons, like do you still want to be paying him? $45 $45 million to be the 35, 36-year-old version of James Harden is a kind of tough thing to, to contemplate. Are you trying to wish a first-round loss into existence so that the Sixers don't re-sign James Harden? Well, no, it's not even that as much as it's just like, I just don't think the team has it this year. Yeah. This team's too slow, and this team just does not have like the athleticism, I think, yeah. to compete with a Toronto team. So I, I actually, yeah, I just don't think they have it. Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in them in the playoffs. And I love the Raptors as an upset candidate, but I think I think the Sixers are just going to be a bad matchup for them. Like Embiid's okay. just so so good in the paint. That's their one weakness, right? Like they can stop guys from getting into the paint, but once you're in there, like they just don't have enough size. I think Embiid's just going to be able to get him over the hump. Like you know, just do what he needs to do. Maybe make me feel better about the MVP prediction, right? Because that's that yeah. is probably what it's going to take, especially with Thibault out. But yeah, it's going to be talk. I don't even think there's any real other candidates. I was looking at the playoffs and I was like, oh, it seems like. Everyone's kind of good with what they have. I have a weird feeling this year is going to have a lot of coaching turnover. I could see Borrego going. I could see Quinn Snyder going. I could see Doc going. I could see some of the younger guys who are coaching teams that are in Orlando, Houston, like any team that's in the lottery like that, like it's in play, I think. Mm -hmm. There's a a lot out there I think that could happen. Quinn Snyder's Sixers coach would be pretty good. That guy is intense, but I think he would be a really good coach. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this player missed a critical game that his team lost because he was suspended for picking up too many technical fouls. I took Luca here. He's trying. He says yeah. he's trying his best to not be complaining all the time, but he's just not there yet. He's not there yet, and I think that the the Mavs can also make a deep enough run that you know, like he, it'll take seven technical fouls, and he, he'll pick them up quick. Honestly, the playoffs get a little bit more intense too. I just don't think I don't think he's going to be able to to handle it. Like, there's just going to be moments where you get so mad, especially coming back from an injury, too. Like, you're just, the body's a little bit more sensitive. Like, you want a little bit more protection. Like, he's, I think he's just going to be a little bit, a little louder. Um, yeah. I had, I had Draymond for this, but um, I think, you know, he's, 
He is older and wiser. So Luca comes back from calf injury and immediately just gets tossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What an advertisement. I, mean, I have him beating the Jazz, like, kind of no matter what, <laughs> which we can get, get get to later. But, yeah, pretty much. Mine is uh, Towns. Put me on team. Celebrate however you want. Like, I really don't care. I love, I love celebrations. But I was a little, like, thrown off by Towns' uh, temperament in that Clippers game. And... I wonder whether or not Taylor Jenkins is watching that game and is like, okay, like you can get into Carl Towns' head a little bit. Now, whether it's like just stealing some of the stuff that Ty Lue did against Carl Towns in that play-in game just to make him uncomfortable, or whether it's, I don't know, just being super physical with him whenever you can, it just seemed like Carl was like a little, just like on tilt. And I wonder whether or not he's a guy who can be knocked off his square in a playoff series yeah see steven adams and jaron jackson and the grizzlies are like kind of perfectly designed to make that happen i like that pick dylan brooks and desmond bain seem like they are gonna yeah. be like like pretending they got elbowed a lot yeah dylan brooks is also a candidate for this for this question too <laughs> let's move on to the next one uh so this star duo had a public falling out that precipitated their breakup this summer yeah we'll get to the utah stuff now right i think it's just time it's time for Mitchell and Gobert. I feel like I feel like Donovan's been really patient about all this stuff. I think just another playoff loss. Like the way that they've stumbled through the second half of the season too. Like the vibes are just really bad and I think all it's going to take there's so much subtext that, that they see, that they seem to read within each other's comments at this point that I feel like all it's going to take is like that happening in a moment when you know they're losing. It feels like the wheels are about to fall off there. Yeah, I mean Stockton and Malone they are not. So this is this seems like a thing where the question is, does Danny Ainge want to break them up or do these guys want to be broken up? And if they do want to be broken up, who wants out of town worse or who wants out of town first? The, the Mitchell to New York stuff is like obviously out there. But then you've got Rudy, who I think might be almost underappreciated at this point. And like on one hand, I could see him going to like Charlotte or something like that. Apparently Gordon Hayward uh, wants to change the scenery. So he's going to come back to Utah for the old scenery? <laughs> <That'd be pretty laughs> I guess, yeah. And then on the other hand, there's, I mean, I'm sure it was BS, but there was even a rumor that like Golden State would be interested in mm-hmm. Rudy, you know? So no matter like where he goes, he's going to dramatically improve the defense of the team that he joins. It's just a matter of whether or not like he's a difficult character or whether it's just been a, a bad a bad situation, bad context for him over the last couple of years. So Utah will be fascinating to see whether it's an organizational teardown or whether the yeah. players players lead it. I have kind of like a, just a super trolly one here for my answer. Mm-hmm. I have, who is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? So on one hand, the Clippers are routinely like just punching above their weight because they're dealing with all the Clipper curse stuff and, injured superstars and everything else and like they're able to get a mere coffee to play better than half the Sixers roster and they've got like just incredible contributions coming from all over the floor and they're playing five out and just just wrecking teams on the other hand like Steve Ballmer really getting his money's worth out of this team yeah man I was thinking about that one too and like I was thinking about Ty Lue as, as an answer to the previous question about like what coach could potentially leave for leave for a contender we're gonna look back at this one it's going to be really interesting because that season we were like, oh man, like the Nets won free agency right. and the Clippers won free agency. And here we are in 2022 and it's like both of these teams 
are just kind of stuck in this like failure to launch place because like you know for the Clippers mo- mostly because of injuries, the Nets you know all of the things and injuries. It's hard because I think that when they are together, there is a lot of potential for them to be very destructive. I think they can even look look at like a team like the Suns and say like that that's a model for for how we could play. And then the other thing is like what's what's the trade market? Really? Like which which one of those guys would you trade? It would be PG and I'm really just trolling here, but mm-hmm. I will say that like you you put it exactly right. Like these two teams that you think won free agency and have actually just remained in this hypothetical state of if and when we ever get all our guys going at the same time will be unbeatable. I mean, the Clippers were awesome. Like whenever they've had Kawhi and PG and Ty Lu and these guys around them, like it's been cool to watch. But like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are not that durable. And I wonder if you have any teams out there, like we made a, a joke a, a couple weeks ago about like, would Memphis be like a perfect place for a Paul George type player? And I wonder whether or not you like kind of sell high on Paul George. And if there's anything out there that the Clippers would be interested in getting into, or if there was, maybe there's just like, they're like, this is as far as we can go with a team where the two best players are not routinely on the floor. It's just an idea. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Let's just see yeah. if it sticks. Next question. This one steady team faced major questions about their future after having their weaknesses exposed in the postseason. Who do you got? I got Chicago. We've talked about this a little bit before, but... So this just this isn't just like injuries. You can't just chalk it up to Caruso and Ball missing most of the season or whatever. No, no. Like We talked about the Bulls earlier in the season where we were really high on them, but at the same time, we saw this sort of future where they have to play the Bucks in the first round, and... It's just going to be like, you know, Giannis dunking all over them because they just don't have the interior defense. And then you have like the three-headed monster of Drew Holiday and and Chris Middleton reminding everybody why Toronto traded DeMar DeRozan in the first place. And they are kind of perfectly set up for that scenario, unfortunately, right now. I don't think it necessarily speaks completely to, you know, like those are the weaknesses for Chicago and they just happen to be running into the team that's going to be able to exploit them really well. Like I don't even think it's going to be really a long series with those teams. Actually like, you know, this, this team does remind me a lot of those Raptors. Like I was thinking about what do they do next? And I'm like, it was like they wanted the LeBron stopper. Now they're going to need a Giannis stopper and PJ Tucker is a free agent this season. (laughs) And like they have a decision on Levine too. Like Levine is going to, he's probably going to command a max, but he's also He's had some injuries too, and like the same uh, the same knee that that he like the left knee he tore his ACL a couple years ago. It's been giving him problems as well. So yeah, it's just things just don't look as rosy as they did earlier this season. And you just got a situation where they're kind of locked in to to what that what they have right now. Like I feel like with Levine, it's like if he's dealing with injuries, he's not going to want to necessarily go somewhere else. Like I think he's never really been a free agent before. I'm sure he'll test the waters a little bit especially if if the first round looks really bad for them they don't have a lot of maneuverability from here then you're just kind of hoping that Patrick Williams ends up being the answer to that question and and you know maybe down the line he could be but he's not really on their age timeline either it feels like they were so close to coming together and yeah I, I just I don't know I just don't I don't feel good about Chicago's future right now I feel like they can get away with we like our chances with Lonzo Caruso DeRozan Levine and Vooch like I think that Lonzo's a pretty crucial player for them and to not have him yeah hurts they they had a tough second half of the season I think that they were always kind of having trouble with teams that were better than them 
honestly, like they were always having trouble with the teams at the top of the league. It was that they were really, really capably taking care of all, all like the teams beneath them in in the regular season. They had that mm-hmm. kind of going for them. I think maybe they're just a year away from being not necessarily contenders, but like a three or four seed. Now the Eastern Conference is so competitive and avoiding the Bucks and avoiding the Bucks and getting and getting a Charlotte or a Pacers or a whatever mm-hmm. kind of first round and 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 having a little bit more luck. Yeah. My team is kind of contrary to what I was saying earlier in the podcast about Steph, but I have Golden State here. So a couple of different things could happen here. One is Steph could not be healthy. Two is Steph could be healthy, but they just get like an erratic performance from everybody around Steph. Clay has been hit or miss. Jordan Poole's on a crazy heater right now, but correct me if I'm wrong, but like Poole, Clay, and Steph haven't gotten a ton of minutes together, right? Barely. Yeah. Right. They've had some moments where they've looked really good together, but they've also had a lot of, you know, Poole's had some trouble transitioning into this role and Clay's, you know, he's, I think he's a year away from being fully recovered too. Yeah. I think you're probably right. So then there's the depth issues. And there is the like what was cool during the regular season, like with Kaminga and Moody, like doesn't necessarily translate into the postseason. There's the Wiggins disappearing act. I love Warriors Twitter, but I like I'm I always look on in fascination with the disdain with which they hold Steve Kerr. And I don't know. I've seen teams with better vibes going into playoffs. And I wonder whether or not what was like an incredibly inspiring, awesome first half of the season turned into kind of like a darker, like Steph's out, Dre's out, like we're getting our butts kicked. Then they kind of turned it around at the very end of the season. But I'm not so sure this team is is got it this year. Yeah, I think there almost might be a little bit credence to the Gobert stuff there too, because I think they have, if they lose, there's also going to be the tactical issue as well. Like if, if, if Steph is healthy, but they got Jokic in the first round, and they just don't have anybody that can guard it, guard him. Like Dray- Draymond's gonna tr- yeah. try his darndest best, but Jokic is gonna turn around and know that Draymond's six seven, and he can get a hook over him anytime he wants to. And it'll be tiring for him. But I actually think Denver has a reasonable shot in that series. And then you just got the West. We talked about this many times before, so we won't get into it too much. But the West is just packed with bigs. Like, what do you do about Aiton? What do you do about the Memphis? You know, just Goliath down there with like with with steven adams and jaron jackson and if it's minnesota then you still got to deal with carl towns like it's just it's just tough to get through the west without having an actual seven foot big man who's going to be able to rebound the ball for you like i think they can just get crushed on the boards get crushed in the paint and if they're if if they're not firing on all all, on all cylinders from the three-point line i don't know if they're going to make up for that yeah all right let's do our final question yeah Let's do it. This team won the 2022 NBA Finals. I got Phoenix. Feels feels a little self-explanatory with, with the way the Suns season has gone. Um, they're all healthy. Things have happened for them at the right time. Like, they had the injuries happen to them at the right time that allowed them to grow. And now, you know, they're a full-strength team that's really, really deep. And they know how to play together. You know, they've, they walked through the fire last season. They're really angry, too. I feel like they're really motivated from the loss. And the vibes are strong. Like, I just don't... I look at that team and I'm like, I feel like they can... They can withstand most of the challenges that will be posed to them. Like they can get punched in the mouth. Mikhail Bridges is much better this year than than he was last year. He's a real creator for them. Broker's improved. His playmaking's improved. His decision making has improved. Aiton is actually a kind of like he has become so much more diverse from the five spot too. Like just in the center of the court, like he's he's hitting every floater. He's expanded his range. His playmaking has imp- has improved. Like everyone is just a little bit better than they were the season before. And I think that. 
that's going to be enough to to get them over the hump. I think they're going to win. I had the Bucks here for like content and like how cool it would be for like a second a back to back champion. I think the Suns are going to win. I think they're just the best team. I think we'll get to the end of this and we'll be like maybe it was never really in question. Maybe maybe this is a historically good NBA team that needs to be remembered because we certainly didn't remember them in the regular season. Like, no, but I wonder whether they're about to lawnmower this, this playoffs. And that would be, I think, especially good for Paul. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like a quick playoffs, like a getting through teams four Oh four one might be the best recipe and not dilly dallying and playing game sixes and stuff like that. They're just a perfect basketball team. They are. They can answer every question. And I, I kind of like rooting for teams like that. Like even when I watch the Bucks, I'm like, God, oh, the Bucks don't make this much. Sometimes the Bucks don't make sense. And it's not bully ball, but I'm just like, what is this? The Suns just kind of like make total sense to me when I watch them play. They're beautiful to watch. They're kind of like the Spurs in that like they, they are perfect and they're the number one seed and they're probably going to win the championship and we're going to look back and be like, why didn't we spend the entire regular season talking about them? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it. We have the Suns winning. We have Doc leaving. We have Carl Towns and Luka Doncic getting ejected. We have Memphis crumbling under expectations. <laughs> like we have all of it. I'm not on next week. Surit's got Friday to herself. She'll have a guest next Friday, and then I'll be back the following week. But I hope everybody enjoys the first weekend of the playoffs. Sarah, what's a game? What's the game that you have circled? Like, I cannot wait for game one of this series. Honestly, I, I think it's Boston Brooklyn. It's it's probably the close. It's it's the closest series, and it's the one that I have the most questions about. And I think it's like probably the most controversial in that like everyone kind of feels a different way about it as well. Yeah. And there's just I mean there's so much potential for things to explode there you got Ben like I, I'm really excited to hopefully watch Ben Simmons play again we haven't had playoff like real playoff Kyrie uh like healthy so yeah I'm, I'm excited for that one what about you for my sins I'm excited for Toronto Philly and then I think I'm I'm really excited for Memphis Minnesota yeah it'll be a good one too I think I think Memphis can like or Minnesota can give him a give him an actual real challenge here also just like a really two really fun teams to watch yeah and uh watching Ant not know that he's not the best player on the planet like would be really fun against that <laughs> Memphis team um Sarah thanks so much for joining me today Chris Sutton was our producer we'll be back next Friday or Sarah will be back next Friday until then everybody enjoy the NBA playoffs